So going back to the fact that Talia, like, has not trusted Martin from the get-go, like, something has been off about him, and everybody's been kind of feeling that. Um, but Talia's, like, been asking Celine almost from the beginning, why don't you just ask the mother? And it becomes, like, a big point of contention at, at some point. It's mm-hmm. like, ask the mother, to which Celine is like, no. And part of that was me going, no, because I know the mother will tell me the truth and that he's he's the boss of the season. And, and, and that, that'll ruin things. I can't do that. But I, I mean, it also worked in character because like Celine's experience as a cleric has been weird since usually I would think pre-sundering, if you were a cleric, you presumably had other clerics you could learn from. Mm-hmm. Celine has had to figure this all, this all, this whole clericy business out by her, on her own. Mm-hmm. Which is fine, but she's also kind of, she knows how the Undertaker works. She knows his rules. And she knows what the sisters at the Cathedral of the Mother told her the rules were as far as their practice. But she doesn't know how, she doesn't know what the rules are regarding contacting other gods, using her Undertaker powers to contact other gods. She could kind of justify it with the Warden because he called her first <laughs> basically and like they know like she knows him but like as far as like hey use your undertaker powers to contact another god she was just kind of she was really resistant to it because it was like i can't do that that might be against that that I, no that like she doesn't know yeah she has no idea and so that's i i think that became a good double justification for uh not revealing the big bad yeah and also that Celine, good a good reason. I mean, not a good reason, a consistent reason as to why Celine was was hesitant to do so. I, I mean, I think it makes sense in the context because for Talia, who has grown up with the idea that you revere multiple gods, they are not necessarily interchangeable, but the abilities that you get shouldn't limit you mm-hmm. on who you contact, especially if you if you're in need of something that that god can that that god can give you insight into and because that was what it was with her culture you don't pray to the moon for a good hunt you pray to the moon to protect you on your night of fun you know Mm -hmm. during the full moon you pray to the wolf for a good hunt you know that's that's how their relationship with the deities worked so to her contacting the mother would make sense because martin worships the mother so the mother would know what martin needs to be doing so they can help more you know so it made total sense to talia and it kind of throughout the whole thing we were just going back and forth it's like contact a mother no i can't yeah and it worked really well in the story i think because we waited up until like the last second um or it appeared so in the last second it's like please call her. Yeah. Please call your mother. You know? <laughs> she's not, she's not mother. She's not my mother. Please call the mother. And I kind of expe- didn't expect it to work or, because I was not in on the, I was not told that Martin was the big bad. Oh, I'm surprised I didn't tell you. No, you told me you got spoiled. Oh, okay. Later. No, I totally should have. Later you told me you got <laughs> spoiled. I should have told you so you could share in my pain. 
Yeah, no, you didn't tell me. Mm. I was told Foolish. later that you were spoiled. So mm. I was I was playing authentically actually well, for the first time in forever. Good for you. Because I can fucking you. Because I can I can listen to spoilers and kind of not and not metagame as far as I know. Hopefully, <laughs> and that's why I'm surprised I didn't tell you. Yeah, you didn't tell me until after. Weird. Maybe that's what made the whole thing work is that I was actually like not spoiled, so I could like do things pretty authentically actually Mm -hmm. like i i was genuinely in the dark and you weren't so you had to like keep that a secret and i was just like why i shouldn't have done that i should have told you yeah you should (laughs) i should have just been like no i had to hear this you got to hear it too yep no i didn't know so yeah the mother was a fun one did you (laughs) did you like think did you think you were going to do that well you had brought it up a couple times so i figured it would happen eventually Uh uh-huh but as far as, like, what I did in the moment, no, I had no idea what I was going to do until, <laughs> until the actual moment. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, no, this, this is how I wanted to go. Yeah. Cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, neat. And then we got the uh, the news Revelation. that we were working with the big bad evil person. Well, well, the big bad for this season. Not the, the big, big bad, bad for, for the this, whole, yes. The whole, um, yep. the whole story. That's We don't know who that is yet, so... And also the revelation of Talia let this man into their house where their kids are. The end of that episode is so good where where Talia is just like, like she doesn't have to explain a thing. All she says is the kids are in the house. Yeah. Oh, like stomach, ice in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was the first, like, like all of a sudden we get this like sudden revelation of like holy shit! Not only is he bad, this is, Anth- like Anthonius, the Anthonius, that guy, and he's been in the house with the kids. Like he's it's been in that. The house in the fact, whole he time. is in the house with the kids right now. Yeah, that revelation, or so we think, and that revelation is just like I can't think of a better like mic drop moment. To end the episode on. Oh, yeah. Huh? We can't think of a worse I one. I can't think of a worse one. It's like, that is every, like, even if you don't have kids, the idea that something that, you know, someone you love is in danger because of you mm-hmm. is a fucking horrifying thought. Or just some, someone is in that much danger just at that moment. Yeah. Oh. It was very scary. And I want to say from this point, the anxiety... We weren't acting. That wasn't acting. From that point, like, I knew that something was up with Martin. I was not aware that Martin was this bad. And I don't know if you personally had, like, the inclination to think, oh, God, he could do something to the kids. Like, I don't know if you thought that far ahead. The thing is, I I think it's because of my clinical hypoempathy. I have a very hard time conceptualizing the idea of children. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... It didn't occur to me personally, and I think I was too... No, it did not occur to me. So, with me indicating that the kids are in trouble, like, the kids might be in danger, I think that was the first time both of us clicked to, this is bad. Yeah. And from that point on, the anxiety that Talia and Celine, you hear in their voices. That's not acting. That's not acting. That's both of us being very scared. And Molly has assured us multiple times when it seems our anxiety is kind of getting the best of us that everything's going to be okay. And I did at the table. I, I did. I did think that was the case. It was just one of those things of like, 
yeah, I just don't know how it's going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where that anxiety comes from is like, and I think we had to stop at one point. Like You had to go to work. And I had to go to work. And I told Molly, like I looked at Molly and said, I'm going to go to work. You two are going to take a nap. I'm going to come back and we're going to get back at we're the gonna table. We're going to finish this. We're going to yeah. finish this because I'm not waiting another week. Yeah. Yeah. To finish this, this needs to get finished. I need to know where my do- where my daughter is cuz I think at that point we fig- at that like when I had to go to work, we had figured out Adrian had been kidnapped. Yeah. And I told Molly, I'm like we're not doing this. I have to know. I have we have to get this resolved. So, I think we I don't know if we finished the rest of it. Um, but we definitely got Adrian back before we, I think mm-hmm. we called it. But something happened before then that we forgot about, which yes. was that I think it was like the same night, was it? I think it was the same. Yeah, it was the same night because Talia had said to talk to the Undertaker about like, did he mean watch Martin? or That was another thing is like, because like we were pu- putting the pieces together over whether or not like, like Martin is so sketch. There's something up with him, and then it's like, what did the Undertaker tell you? Yeah. To- well, Renal actually pointed it out. Was like- yeah, like and like I like Talia had asked, what did the Undertaker say again? And, and Celine said what she had interpreted, which is to watch over him. And then Renal was the one who said, watch over him or watch him, watch out for him, or watch out for him. To which Celine had no like didn't know. So. That's what started the whole, like, please talk to the mother. Yeah. No, no, it started, it, it was the, Celine was going to go clarify with the Undertaker, and the Undertaker, and Renal had said, you know, tell him don't come for me yet. And right. Celine, at the very end of her call with the Undertaker, was like, oh, by the way, um, my friend says don't come for her yet. And he gave you a date. Yeah. Which I think even kicked our anxiety up even more. I think like, honestly, that's what actually started. I the think anxiety. you I think you're right because like <laughs> the kids being in danger, you've already indicated that's a huge trigger for you. So Molly knows better than to actually do anything to the kids. I think we had that like level of like like subconscious understanding. But killing our wife? Yeah. Our wife Renal? Oh, she might that's do not off she the table. might do that. Yeah. And so <laughs> Renal didn't have the plot armor that we knew that Adrian probably has. Yeah. Like, we, like, on a subconscious level, like, we knew logically that Molly was not going to kill Adrian. Yeah, no. Um, It did not change the fact that there was a shit ton of anxiety around somebody had kidnapped her because, you know, her emotional state is something we had to worry about, too. Mm -hmm. And this kid had been through so much that now she had been kidnapped. It's like, God, no. So... There was that level of anxiety, but yeah, what started the level of anxiety off on the on the right or wrong foot, depending on your interpretation, was we learned that Renal had a death date and it was like two days away. And we're just like, excuse me, what? Yeah. And then you talk to the mother. Because, yeah, because then after, you know, reconvening with Talia. Yeah, that's, and, and then she was like, you need to talk to the mother. And at that point, Celine was like, okay. Like at that point, it's like the 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 fear of not knowing the rules and and calling the mother and not being not not being allowed to was like outweighed by the fact that she had just gotten additional information from her father that like this guy might be bad news and mm-hmm. so she's like, okay, time to put all those instincts that like I've had that something is up. Time to yeah. Time to start listening to those. Yep. And 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 not a moment too soon. 
which um, resulted in another pay, uh, like setup and payoff, which is Celine has been working hard to get in touch with her face side. And in a moment of absolute panic and terror, Talia pleaded with her, try and open a door. Out, without without a door, because she's only door. been able to open doors to the Feywild on actual doors. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she had seen, like, she had sent up Cortez, and Cortez had, like, barely been able to see mm-hmm. this, like, speck in the distance, which was, like, way, way ahead. Yeah. And I think Tally was, like, pleading with her. It's like, try, just at least try. And at that point, Celine, I think, was probably, was, was, like, yeah. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. And she did it. You blew pretty much everything to do it, if I recall. Like, all your luck. Did I? That would make sense, because then I went into Anthonopolis with no luck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No luck, just bad luck. But you did it. I did it. You did it. And that was a cool setup and payoff of, like, you connecting more with your realm. Your realm is... Gives gives kind of a bump in in being able to connect to the Feywild. Yeah. So So. I thought that was a really cool moment. I wanted to highlight that a little bit evolution in her fey lord status uh, with effort can you can technically open doors anywhere cool <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if that'll come up again who wonder, knows wonder who knows <laughs> we know we're not gonna tell you though yeah so you get to the city and woof woof indeed <laughs> just the massive sunken labyrinth of Anthonopolis. Thanks, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) You finally, you getting through the city, you finally catch up with Anthonius and Adrian. And all of the undead. Yeah, now this was actually something we had to edit a little bit in post. Just Just, a little bit, Just a a teensy bit. Again, to get, to scrub out some of that racism that we didn't kind of think about. The cultural appropriation of mummies for the undead instead yeah. of um, just like skeletons and zombies. Yeah, yeah, we we sh- we changed that up. So, and then that fight was a bitch. Yeah. Oh man, I do have to give you props, Molly, though, because you know how to craft a dungeon where you know exactly how you want us, what state you want us to be, because though that ho- zombie horde ran us down so hard and so when we were going into when we were continuing like we were we were tapped out yeah yeah that was a hard fight also adrian apparently also has some crazy powers oh yeah which was like okay our kid can disappear i'll put a pin in that i mean yeah i mean honestly like we got kind of an inkling of that that so that she might have more powers than than she might seem last season when she could, you know, walk between the doors. Yeah. So it wasn't too big of a, like, shock. And also because she could, like, see into the Feywild and paint beautifully. So we got a little bit of an inkling of it last season, but it became explicit this season that she has some powerful magic of her own. Yeah. And we're going to have to eventually deal with that, but... In... But for now, we have a horde of zombies to deal with. I did want to ask: Is there a reason why she didn't like poof away beforehand? Was uh, it just fear? It was really, it was really fear, and also a, a mix of fear and hope. Uh-huh. Because with him, she was just trapped and just scared. But then you were there, and she just had to get to you. Mm. 
Which is exactly how Tally was feeling. I just have to get to her. Yeah. And it'll be fine. It was not, but you know. It was a- not. At least she got her, and that was really what was the important part was. This part so, of the story, this part of the game, rather, I remember being, like, some of the most fun I've had at the table. Not because it was necessarily fun, but it was so immersive. I I felt that way, too. Like, like it was it was fun in retrospect. Because yeah. of how immersive it was and how genuine, how genuinely helpless I felt after that zombie fight. And I was feeling so, and I know you were too, both of us both were of feeling us. so genuinely helpless. Even though Molly had assured us, it's going to be fine. Trust your DM. And I'm like, I do. I, but I don't. But also no. I think it's like we as players trust the DM, but we're also very into our characters Mm -hmm. that the characters don't know everything is going to be okay. So it's a lot easier for us to kind of like slip into that mindset. And that whole series of just constant fear and anxiety for somebody else and then to be put through this like gauntlet of these like hordes of undead and then to literally like be like half dead poor Renal almost died yeah like right then and there and just being tapped out of magic and just all of it like because talia is a great shot but her shots are kind of limited to one she's only got two hands yeah and even though she can do like five shots in one turn with haste she's still there's only five shots and there's 500 zombies. Yeah, there's only yeah. so many she can mow down at once. So it's like, this is bad. And, you know, so like feeling all of that, there's also the realization after they finally get away that someone has to deal with him because they can't let him get loose. Mm-hmm. I think at that point in character, they were kind of accepted. They had kind of accepted, we're not getting out of here. Yeah. Maybe Renal can take Adrian and get out of here. But we can't. Yeah. I think original, like, in in this, the conversation, they were discussing, we got to get Adrian out of here, and then someone has to come deal with him. Yeah. And Renal offered to take Adrian. Yep. And that was, but all, like, the two of us were thinking, like, the two, Tally and Selene were basically of the opinion, we're not going to make it out of here. And this was the first, I think this, this was the most hopeless they've ever felt in the story. Yeah. Like, every situation they've gotten themselves into, they kind of know they can get themse- at least themselves out of it. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, other really dire situations that they've been in. Like, uh, even any situation in the Feywild was very frustrating and, in some cases, terrifying. But, but not, not hopeless. hopeless. Mm-hmm. And oh, this is oh, this is so good. I'm like getting chills just thinking about how fun this was. Yeah. And this felt hopeless. And it's very weird to be able to say, I have never felt. I my characters have never felt more hopeless, and I've never had more more I fun. Know. But that's so what I go. Weird. It goes back to the thing of like Molly. You say how you want to make everybody. You don't want anybody to be upset. But it's like if, no. again, if my character's miserable. I'm probably loving it, <laughs> loving it. And I think. Uh, th- at this point in the story, you were still kind of struggling with that, but by the time, by the time we got to the end of the story, you had figured that out. Yeah, and I'm it's like, like, oh yeah, here, let me torture you some more. And yeah, and I'm like, yes. Oh, you like that? F- he- oh, that feeling. Have the feeling twice. You know? <laughs> yeah. I f- I was very in 
in Celine's head at that point. And I know you were also very in Talia's head. And I found it really interesting that at what she thought was the end of her life, the thing she was thinking about was her parents, her birth parents. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they going to what, what are they going to say to me? What are they going to think of me? And it was like it was it was it seemed random, but it was very genuine, which was very funny because what Talia was thinking was was the kids like she was hoping that the kids were going to be OK. It's like the, it's like they switched. Yeah. And I, it's like because Talia is very focused on the past and Selena is very focused on the future. It's like they switched for a minute. Yeah. And I guess that's like I think Celine knew the kids were going to be fine. At least I, I think that's that's what she was thinking. Like. Adrian's in good hands. Jareth will be fine. Mm-hmm. But we're not getting out of here. I wonder what my parents are going to say when they see me. Natalia was worried about the kids. Mm-hmm. Like, are they going to be okay without us? This was also the first time that Celine had to actually face the possibility of death. And she was very terrified and very emotional, but I think it was more the circumstances rather than actually dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she has a very, as we've talked about before, has a very interesting relation with the concept of death and but again i think it was more the whole being trapped and being trapped in anthonopolis and we're gonna die down here yeah oh it was so good it was so much fun it was a lot of fun to play that part i'm i'm glad it turned out fun in the in in the aftermath or in the uh oh yeah it's the immersive part of it like you felt a part of the story Mm -hmm. you felt the story and that was I think what made it a lot more genuine as we were going through it. Also for me, to get a little personal, the way that my autism manifests is that nothing ever feels real in the real world. And this felt so real <laughs> that it was like, oh, yes, actual feelings. This is this is so good. This is so good. So yeah, it was a great it was a great it was a grand old time. I hope you all great, yeah. I hope you all had yeah, it was fine, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hope y'all had as much fun listening to it as we had playing it. Yep. But going back to what I was saying about how we were very run down and very tapped out, Celine, for the whole second time in the whole campaign, used divine intervention. Yep. Which I'm gonna say it again has dumb rules. <laughs> I hate the DM notes your dumb rule. Your I, well, yeah, she, dumb she knows because I've been bitching about it since day one. And I and I don't. Disagree that the way it is is dumb, but I also like the way that you do it because you kind of um, account for how dumb the rules as written are. If you'd like to go yeah. ahead and explain how you how you approach divine intervention, so how I approach divine intervention, especially in this world where clerics are so are fairly rare, and the connection to their god is has to be stronger. I mean, it just has to be. In, in specific with the even like blood relation for Celine to her god. The way I play Divine Intervention in this game was if the player rolls below the threshold, they get to dictate what happens, more or less. And Sonius dies again and we get a million gold. <laughs> if it doesn't, something still happens, but I dictate what happens something to move the story forward and something that 
in this instance, moved the story forward instead it, of having you go through. Did it move the story forward and did it move it downward? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's like, it didn't necessarily move it forward as much as it just dropped us. Yeah. And I think, I, I also would like to think that the fact that I use it so sparingly oh, yeah. is also a part of that. Like, I could use it once a week. I could abuse it. But it's something that Celine feels really strongly about not demanding things from the Undertaker in earnest. Like, yeah, she mm-hmm. whines at him a lot <laughs> because he's her dad. But, like... And 23. Yeah, she's 23. Yeah, she could use it once a week, but it is really one of those, like, four absolutely emergencies only when you have no other recourse. Yeah. And she's used it twice now at this point. The first time was when she was in the Feywild dancing with the River King and couldn't get out of it. <laughs> and now when she's miles beneath the earth in the... Ruins of Anthonopolis. So I hope that also has something to do with the fact, with, with how you um, approach it. Yes, definitely. I think if you were using it all the time, it, I would definitely treat it differently. <laughs> There's some things in the game that we like wholeheartedly abuse. Uh-huh. As far as... Holy like, weapon. Holy weapon is one. <laughs> the um, doorknobs. The door... I, oh, I actually don't think we abuse those too bad. No, I don't think we do either. I think, I think I, we, we utilize be, them. We utilize them pretty well, but I don't think we abuse them in that... Like, I could think of some really crazy things that we could do with the doorknobs. I... Which I'm sure any mid-maxer that's listening to this is just like, you guys, you are such wasted potential. Like, that sort of thing going... Like, you could be doing so much more. And I'm like, yeah, but... That doesn't seem like it's going to make the game more fun. I don't go into a game with the express purpose of breaking it, even if we do have a mechanic that can, like, totally break. We've actually got multiple mechanics throughout the entirety of this game that we could literally break it. But, like, with the example of, like, Holy Weapon, we broke the game in a way that Molly gets to make it more fun. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like I, I want to break the game in a way that makes it more interesting and gives it more dimension. Yeah. I don't want to destroy the game. I don't want to derail the game. Yeah. And ho- Holy Weapon is just means Molly gets to throw harder shit at us. Well, and boy, howdy. Yeah. Yeah, boy, howdy. Like you a horde of th- zombies. Or a lich. Thanks for that. Yeah. Or uh, in this specific case, the moving hallways of... The yes. maze of Anthonopolis. We were talking, of, we were talking about divine intervention where... The 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 um the floor dropped out from under. Right. Us. The effect of it was that <laughs> we got to skip all that. We got to we got to clip. We got to do like a, we got a, a no clip. We got yeah. yeah. We got a we clip through the floor. <laughs> uh, oh god. We did a speed running like wrong warp. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to like if like our characters were like I hate this. Why? But you know it was the best possible outcome. But like it fucked them up for a minute. <laughs> And they were already low on spells, too. So yeah. they were just like, I am broken now. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't Celine get a wing crush? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. yeah, yeah. I think we had a Nasty. potion or something yeah. like that. We, we had, like, we had, a little we had something to, to, yeah. to heal with. But I also think that was probably a benefit to the story because after all of this anxiety and, and desperation and hopelessness, I feel like a dungeon crawl would, could get really, really old. And I feel like the fact that we got to skip all of that, got to speed run, yeah. <laughs> we got to do the Anthonopolis speed run, the any percent speed run, made it, we got to keep, like, I had to hold the tension a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And it gave us a kind of a brief moment to kind of take a breather. Like, yeah, we had just dropped through. 
and like, oh, we skipped a bunch of stuff. So, all right, take a breath, like gather ourselves up, and then we enter like the endless fucking library forever. Oh yeah, yeah. which, <laughs> which you know, we get that little bit of comic relief because Celine is just like, ooh, <laughs> the shiny, hand of Vecna, shiny cursed <laughs> objects. I want those. <laughs> to which you know we had to like slap her hand away. Yeah, I don't know if she actually wanted that seriously but her her like kind of her, her her lizard brain when I want it yeah yeah <laughs> her it did it definitely did it was like but it was like her fey lizard brain because like that's yeah. her, kind of her face side is wanting to collect like curiosities so it was yeah. like her phasered brain yeah the fey when I want it I want it <laughs> and and then like the whole had to be like no 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 we no, don't. no 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 it was a nice moment of like like taking a, a levity breath I guess yeah and then you find Renal also. Uh, Renal and, and Adrian, Adrian yeah. yeah. We're also there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how, I thought you guys were supposed to get out. It's like, yeah, the wall fell. Yeah. <laughs> or we slid the slide. Yeah. 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 The Undertaker was much nicer to them. <laughs> <laughs> he likes them better. Well, that's well, his granddaughter. That's his granddaughter. So he, yes. has to, he has to play. Yeah, she, yeah, she'll look at him. She can see him. She's it, just like, mm-mm. <laughs> so, so, like his his kid, yeah, she'll be fine. She sasses me all day. Let, yeah, let her, let her. Grand grandbaby though, it's like no, 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 no. no. You're gonna get a nice, Protect the child. a nice easy slide downward. Yep. Well, Bernal probably went. I have the biggest rash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you again, know, she's holding Adrian. Yeah. But <laughs> again, Adrian oh, yeah. is the important one. Adrian is the important one. Yeah. Well, actually, before you find the library, you find a pair of doors right. that... Right, with the, like... The yeah, flames. Oh, my gosh. Franya was like, make sure this is closed. These are closed mm-hmm. and, and, and locked. And they were, like, yeah, Fra- open and empty. And yeah, Franya like- had asked us, like, hey, if you find a weapon down there, make sure it's still there. And I don't like, think. Didn't, I don't think she did. She specify it was a weapon. She said it was an item that would, uh, an item of great power that would be bad if it fell into the wrong hands. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I guess we assumed it was a weapon, and we did like that was the, as vague as you can get, though. So like, I don't know what item we're supposed to be looking for, but we did find a very nice chamber that was very decorated with, you know, fire, fire, and <laughs> you know, vibes of death. So yeah, you and know, it was empty so yay for that and okay no <laughs> no disrespect to Franya, but at that point i really had other things to be worried about <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> like fair whoops it's not there shrug getting through that in the library then we get to the crystals yeah more lore yay i thought this was a really good decision on your part molly because Originally, we had kind of thought that the crystals were a Venasi thing, mm-hmm. and I think you originally had them as a Venasi thing. Very originally, yes. And I think this makes so much more sense, that they're an Anthonius thing, this god emperor that was so powerful that he could seal off the planes, and somehow the Venasi just got a hold of one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like like the, almost accidentally, probably. Th- what they did was they uh, repurposed one of Anthonius's many temples to himself, essentially. Like, what the Venasi layer is, is a section, just a small section, a repurposed section of a massive temple that is no longer there. Oh, mm-hmm. good for them. Good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, okay, cool. <laughs> so they're squatting. Yeah. Lordy. Well, not anymore. Not anymore, no. Mm-hmm. Which also makes sense be- with, like, uh, the traps and mm-hmm. things that were in the Venasi layer. 
but yeah, like the the traps in there, the golems and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they redecorated somewhat with their uh, signature V branding. A but lot of it was already there that, and they just repurposed it. Yeah, which speaks a lot to the world building in this. It was so, that was a brilliant move because it, it further just solidifies that the Venasi were not really that smart on their own. What they had was not something that they created. Yeah, no, they were thieves, or like yeah. they, they they were thieves, squatters. That they, they they did not make anything themselves. Yeah. And I love that. I love that little bit of I love of that lore. for them. Yeah, it's so great for them. But I like that bit, that lore behind mm-hmm. everything because it opens things up. It's like, it just makes them even more invalid. Yeah. And, and makes them way more interesting. It's like, yeah. oh, they didn't come up with any of that shit. But they they're sure going to take credit for it. They're going to take credit for it. And they yeah. stole it. Like, it's kind of cool. But these crystals are something bigger. Mm-hmm. They're way bigger than what we thought. Because originally, Talia and Selene didn't break the, the Feywild crystal because they were under the impression that the Venasi, like it was a Venasi thing, and they weren't sure if they wanted to release the Feywild. Well, and also Selene was having that whole like self-hatred of Fey thing going on. Yeah. And she was mm-hmm. like, no, I can't let things like me into the world. Yeah, so, but... Which is like, girl, get over it. Yeah, but with the the knowledge that this isn't a Venasi thing, this is something older. Mm-hmm. This is something and way and and way more sinister. Yeah, this was literally how Anthonius maintained power. He cut off access to the other planes. Yeah, and that makes way more sense. And so that was a really good call. Even if it wasn't your original idea, it's it made the story much richer, I think. Oh, yeah. I loved it. I love the lore when, as it opens up. And this it's this is such a cool piece of it where the world gets way bigger, way more, like, interesting and complicated. And that's that I'm here for that shit. I love that hmm. shit. Once again, our characters are presented with the opportunity to break one of the crystals. It's one binding the divine plane. Yeah, and like, holy shit! It does not. Luckily, the the Chris is really good at editing and took out a lot of the dead space that was in this part because, oh man, we had uh, trouble with this one, both mm-hmm. as characters and players. Yeah, um, as players, we were just like, what are the consequences of this? Like, are we gonna like fuck stuff up? And as characters, we were like, this is some major shit we just got handed. Yeah. Because we were the only two religious characters in that room, mm-hmm. like with Renal and like Adrian could hear the angels, which was very tragic. Or I think she was mostly hearing the crystal. But Adrian in and of herself is not religious, mm-hmm. really. She's like five or six. She doesn't yeah. know what that is yet. Um, Renal is not religious. Yeah. Whereas the she knows two the, of us... She knows the Undertaker is her grandfather, and that's about it. Yeah. Whereas the two of us are religious, and we kind of take that kind of seriously, mm-hmm. our characters do. So 
it was very this was a debate like or not a debate but it was definitely like a we very long we took a long, long time to decide what to do both on a character level and just on a player level yeah and again good job with editing and making it seem like it was something that they deliberated on and didn't just rush into but didn't take the like 45 minutes that we took to figure out what we, what the fuck we wanted to do well we had to figure out what our characters were feeling and like aside from overwhelmed and hopeless from, yeah i mean this was this was a big thing and what was Celine feeling she was feeling like this is too big of a decision for me and also still feeling a little bit of that not necessarily like self-hatred of being a fae but kind of this idea that like she is not a good enough person to make this decision for everyone and the gods which this whole like this whole time the undertaker had been telling you like there's a decision coming up like there's a choice you're going to have to make and a, a choice that could change the world did he yeah specifically he said you you will be called to make a choice that could change the way of things so. yeah i think you i think Celine assumed it had something to do with like her fae or it probably like she that. probably assumed it had something to do with Either being a fae or having the key or something like that. I don't think she thought on this scale that was the the. She didn't think this was the scale that that big decision that could change the world was going to be on. Because this isn't just changing the world. This is changing all of existence. Yeah, and Talia had to. Talia was having a little bit of a freakout. Like specifically, she was hearing from the moon and the wolf to let them out. But she was afraid to do that because of what John had told her, which is that the gods are not free agents. The gods don't really have free will. They have to do what the majority of their followers believe them to be. So if a majority of the people are afraid of the wolf, what's that going to do when he's like has more influence? Are more people going to be afraid of him? Like she was having a like a huge crisis. Mm-hmm. and But she ultimately had to separate how she felt with what they were asking and she couldn't leave anybody trapped and i think celine kind of came with to a similar conclusion i remember very distinctly when i as the player like decided we need to break this crystal mm-hmm. and i think celine was just like break it yeah because talia ple- like talia told her how she was feeling after celine was just like you know because celine was was like explaining and then Talia gave like told her how she was feeling which was she would like she doesn't want to break it but she thinks they have to break it and because they're at they're asking us to and this is their decision and I think that Celine had doubted her in instincts so much during this season this was kind of the one time she trusted her instinct which told her to let them out let yeah break it free them yep and and they do. Also, D&D gives you trust issues. And I was like, if we break this, is Molly going to like do something horrible to us? <laughs> In fact, no. You leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> Which gives us even more trust issues. It's like we should need to break things more often. And we get punished. <laughs> we, we do eventually break it. Tony shows up. <laughs> Are we going to really call him Tony? <laughs> it's fine if we do. I kind of love it. God Emperor Tony. <laughs> God Emperor Hot Topic Manager Tony. 
Uh, he shows up in Martin's ve- now very decayed body. Oh, what I work. imagine is um, <laughs> what I was imagining. Yes! Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit, yes! How yeah. did you know? The men in black said Edgar suit. Yeah, you said this before. You did said, I? Yeah, you said it in game. Yeah. <laughs> the men in black Edgar suit. I don't remember. My memory is so bad. It's, so, it's not bad. It's inconsistent. It's inconsistent. Shit. Yeah. Oh my God. It was really funny. Yeah, all of us, I think all of us kind of had that like. <laughs> It's like, oh, he's wearing an Edgar suit. He's got a brand new Edgar suit. Or he's wearing a Martin suit or something like that. It was really... It wasn't... Like, it wasn't funny. The situation wasn't funny, but, like, it was nice. But you gotta make jokes like that in these, like, intense, like, gaming situations to kind of keep yourself from crying. Yeah. But we do eventually, like, a short fight, um, which includes Renal actually dying. Yeah, because uh, he took over. Because we got Martin's corpse done, like uh-huh. we, we killed the corpse, but the spirit was the problem, and it went to Renal, and we freaked out. Yep, and that's and when that's like, when you broke the crystal. That's when we broke the crystal, and we got to meet. We we crossed off some more meeting of gods on our <laughs> on our uh, on our checklist, which was like while we were recording that, I did not expect that, so I was like. Uh, 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 like I, I, I barely had a reaction except to just be smiling really big because I was just like I don't know what to say here I don't know what to do and Celine who has been like literally interacting with at least one god was like oh hi yeah well not like, like oh, not that but, but like oh wow there's the, like I, I like there's three of you now yeah it was more like it wasn't really oh hi it was like oh wow Hello. Hello. Yeah. And then we got to ride on the wolf, which was just like surreal. Again, Tally's just like, I don't. I, I, the music you picked for that section was absolutely mm, perfect. So was good. It? Oh, cool. So good. I always feel like the music is hit or miss, but every time I'm like, does this work? Everybody always comes back and says, the music was so good. I'm like, oh, good. You might <laughs> feel God. like it's hit or miss, but when you hit, you hit hard. I also remember, as far as like, talking about what a great gaming experience this was. Like, the absolute rush when you were like, you have all the benefits of a long rest, and like, <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, God, right? Like, the the absolute relief <laughs> that we felt. Like, you went from being tapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just. To just all of a sudden, holy shit, we're back, baby, you know? Yeah. And... It it was such it was so cool. It was a nice like thematic. It was it was, it was such a good it was such a good emotional slingshot. Yeah, like yes, so good. Oh my god, so good. Yeah, we we got hyper after that. I think. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. As far as Renal dying, this would been a, this would have been another thing that I would I don't I don't think we made the wrong decision with keeping it in. But if I could do one more run through, I might have taken this out. I might have I might have suggested rewriting it. I don't think it has as much like I don't think it affects the narrative really negatively at all, but as far as just like learning to edit your story and take parts out that are unnecessary mm-hmm. and don't really add anything, I probably would have taken that out just because I feel like it added more stakes and we had enough stakes. True. But I I don't think I I don't think that's necessarily a mistake. It's more like a oh, if I could do this again, I would I would suggest that. Yeah, it's something that I would have I would have looked back and 
Overall, I don't know if it added too much to the story. Not necessarily her dying, because that's fine. We can bring her right back. It's more the the Undertaker giving the the measurement date. Like, I think I I might have rethought that, but... I think, actually, like, I'm, I'm actually really glad it happened that way for the table. Because mm. that's what set us off initially. Right. That's a good That's a good point. But in, the, in edit. the editing process, I probably would have taken it out because it was just, it didn't go, it, it, like, it went somewhere, but it wasn't necessary. It, it wasn't, wasn't a satisfying. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't necessary, which, but I'm glad it happened at the table because that, like, set us on edge, mm-hmm. which snowballed into the anxiety great time we <laughs> which again shows that there's a there is a pretty big disconnect between our experience at the table and how it comes off in the recording at least there can be yeah so and those are good things that we take you know as we keep going it's like ah okay we know for next time mm-hmm. for those moments of like that worked but we don't need it after we have all the benefits of a long rest and uh I think we dispatched Hot Topic manager God Emperor Tony pretty easily. Like, he still put up a fight. Like, it wasn't like, oh, we one-shot him then. But it was like, oh, you're dead now. Yeah. Like, oh, you are there. (laughs) The threat of him came essentially from his the numbers of undead he could summon and the fact that you guys were tapped. Yeah. Now that we weren't, it was like, oh, you're in trouble now. (laughs) Yeah. I have the power of God and anime on my side. Uh huh. We literally did. Literally. We literally did. Literally did. It was uh, hilarious. We killed a huge, powerful lich, freed the gods from their celestial prison, and Molly still made us walk out of the fucking <laughs> kingdom. I wanted you to see how long this dungeon could have been. <laughs> If we hadn't clipped through. Yeah. If we hadn't you beast. If we hadn't out of bounds it. Yeah. <laughs> Two days. Two days. I oh. really I I think the way it shook out was probably for the better. Because yes. yeah, like it was so stay down know? there for two days. It was like no. Yeah, no, it was great. And like the relief we felt getting out of there and like, oh, sand. Yeah. <laughs> and which is funny because like we had really had it with the desert up until that point and then we were like, no, no, the desert's great. Dusty tombs are the ones that suck. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, yes, sand. Uh, and yeah, it was very Never funny. been so happy to see the desert. Yep. So yeah, that was the big, like, climactic, huge battle of the season. But there's still plenty of season left. Yeah. Yep. And getting back to Kalundar... We immediately put our foot in our mouth in the original recording. Oh, this was another right. one that this was another part that we completely redid. And I yeah. think again, definitely for the better. Definitely. Because in the original recording, Celine is the one that figures out legacy and how to cure it. So having a white woman coming into a non white coded area and saving everyone. Uh, with her, Egypt even. Yeah. With yeah. her uh with her white deity. This this is gross. This is a problem. And like luckily this is another thing that Jess was like, Y'all need to fix this. And I hope that we would have realized we needed to fix this. No, 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 no. no. We we were the ones. We that, we re- yeah, no, we realized no, it pretty quick. Was, we told Jess about it. And Jess was like, No. <laughs> and we were like, I know, Yeah. I know that I know that Jess had some 
like <laughs> at least was very much in agreement with us that like this is white savior bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, no, we we recognize that not immediately afterwards, but like pretty soon afterwards we're like, uh-oh. So instead of having a white woman be the savior of all these brown people, one of the brown people figures it out for herself. Yep. Yeah. Celine definitely does help a little bit. She does, but, but she's... more of like a mentor. Yeah. Like, I'm another cleric and not a like here let me show you how it's done sort of a thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're we're kind of, we're in the same we work the same place. Yeah. Allow me it's like here let me show you you know, let me let me show you the code basically. Yeah, exactly. Like how to like here's the passwords to the computer. Yeah, exactly. Here's how to do it. Here's how to here's how to Here's how to log in as root. Yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. Here's how to do a pseudo command. That brings back Sylvikia, who mm-hmm. or, who we mentioned earlier, who originally was unnamed. And uh, I love I love this sequence though. Yeah, this was all done in post. Like we we re-recorded this entire section. So everything from getting to Kalundar almost yeah, after yeah. that actually everything at, everything from here on out is completely not original yeah. to what we originally recorded. Yeah, complete, com- completely redone. Yeah, we redid everything from this point on. And it it fixed so much. It did. It fixed so much. And not, I, not just, like, problematic stuff, just narrative stuff. Yeah, I got to add in my own little narrative thing in there to to move things along. I was very proud of myself. Which part? Uh, the resurrection. Right. Because yeah. The, because when, when we leveled up at the end of Anthonopolis, we were now level 13, which means Selene can cast seventh level spells and resurrection. She was... Not, not raise dead, not revivify, resurrection. Yep. Is something she can do now. Ten years. Yep. They could be dead up to ten years. A hundred. Check the player's handbook. I am correct. No. No. I believe you. Good. Which yeah. I think was a really good call on your part because, like, yeah, that's a big goddamn deal that you that she can resurrect people now. And yeah. we need to, we need a small taste of what that means for her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and... it's been a kind of this consistency with Celine that every time she is able to do something major like that, she kind of has a mini, like, <laughs> panic about it. Um, the only exception to that was um, Raise Dead, which I think she just saw as an extension of Revivify. Um, yeah, because that's, it's, what, 10 days? Yeah. It's 10 days. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, well, it, it, it kind of, like, I think off mic we were joking that it's just like now when she wants to like when she's mad at Talia and Talia dies she gives her a minute to think about what she's done or yeah. something like that Yeah, but it was more this extension of Revivify mm-hmm. it's like a buffer but it didn't mean much in the grand scheme of things because you know it, it was just an extra buffer but re- Resurrection is a whole nother ball game I think, and opens up way more possibilities. I also think Ray's dead like they need to be in decent condition. Like the body needs to be in decent condition. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. um, I know that it closes mortal wounds and stuff, but like if you have, if you lose an arm, that arm's gone. Yeah. Yeah. This is like you can be rotting, which 
the little girl that Celine accidentally resurrected was basically like rotting. Yeah. Well, yeah. she was a husk. Yeah. yeah. Like a dried mummified husk because mm-hmm. she had been dead for months. Yeah. And she had been in the hot sun. So, yeah, she would have been desiccated at that point. And yeah. So you don't really need to be not only does it not only can you resurrect people up to 100 years after their death. They don't really you, you really don't need much. Yeah. To do it. And so it's a big deal, and I I really like what you came up with. Like, that was great. I also like that whenever Celine gets, like, a new big, like, power upgrade, she gets a freebie. Yep. She gets one for free. I just, I really wanted to highlight that because it's, it's an important part of Celine's character that she kind of is uncomfortable with a lot of responsibility. Yeah. All of a sudden being thrust. Like, she, like, this happened with um, uh, Revivify, where she got it and was just like, ooh, I can bring people back from the dead. But she did it out of distress. Yeah. And, yeah, she got a freebie. So learning these things and learning that she has these things are big deals to her. And I really wanted to highlight that as for her character. And we don't really do that in the original because I think what ended up happening is we got done with Anthonopolis and then immediately went into the next thing. Because then it became all right. We have to go get Brown, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it, it like it didn't really stop. So we didn't we didn't give the story any time to breathe. Yeah, because we were yeah. so like, okay, let's go to the next thing. And that's one of the things that happens at the table sometimes, where like we're excited to keep going, and we do keep going without thinking we need breathing room. And that's just going to be a thing that we have to figure out as I'm we keep fi- going. I'm with fine the with story. that, honestly, because yeah, then then you can get a more you can get a, an authentic experience at the table, but then go back and fix stuff to make the story better. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And um, so giving Celine that moment where she could not only realize I now have this power, and I'm going to react to it, and letting the audience know because like yeah, we just leveled to thirteen. But some of our audience, I know for a fact, do not play D&D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're supporting us because they like the story or they're our friends and they have no choice. But, <laughs> you know, but some people don't actively play D&D. So level 13 cleric or don't play a cleric. So at level 13, don't necessarily know, oh, she can now, you know, raise the dead like longer. Resurrect people. Resurrect yeah. people from a long time. So it was really important for me in the story to highlight that mm-hmm. and I came up with that uh, that was all me I'm gonna say. it is totally all I you. was very very proud of myself and I got to like throw my narrative chops and storytelling chops of like how do we make this fit into the scene and go smooth and I thought I did a good job you yeah. did a great job and I you guys did a great, great job acting it out good job <laughs> I didn't have any I didn't act a damn thing in that scene you yeah. did not <laughs> but after all of that in Kalundar Finally, we finally start going for Brown. So originally what happened was Brown was in Calrel, which was sort of the blue peak of District 3 in that it was for the ultra wealthy of the district Mm -hmm. initially. This is this has all since changed. Mm -hmm. But um, this was in the very original recording that we did at the table where we were in a we it's like now we're going to get brown yeah we had already started well and i had laid some groundwork for what was happening in like upcoming seasons but what really fucked us up was on the riverboat trip down to calrell mm-hmm. there was the drop of another werewolf in district 3 
being imprisoned at the Glass Palace. Yep, and I remember you telling me that was just like it it popped into your head to yep. just drop that. Yeah. Now I will say I think it was a good instinct. Good instinct, bad timing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because we had not at that point gotten even close like we weren't at Brown yet. Like yeah. we hadn't even gotten to the Brown fight. We hadn't seen him. Dropping that in Talia's lap just changed everything because Talia did not give a shit about Brown anymore. Mm-hmm. Brown became the biggest afterthought of everything. Yeah. I tell you, didn't care about going near Brown again. The fact that there might be another of her kind in this district alive. In the world in alive. In the world alive. Became that her only thought in her head. Yeah. And the narrative took a turn yeah. for the worst at that point. We yeah. felt so bad. All of us, like, knew this was bad. Yeah. Like, even as we were going through it, I think we were like, this is not satisfying at all. No. Because what ended up happening was we got to, what was it, Cal... Calrel. Calrel. We got to Calrel, went into a random restaurant that he just happened to be in, followed him into the street and said, hey, Brown, and then you told me it was like high noon after yeah. a little bit of banter. Like, not even a yeah. great banter, just no. a little bit of banter. And then you said, but it's high noon, and then Talia challenged him to a duel. Like, kind it was, of a, like It didn't even turn out to be like a good no. high no, noon duel. It was so contrived. And it like, was it was just bad. Yeah. It was, and I, I mean, remember, it, I remember immediately after, like, I hate it. I hated it. Yeah. And as we were, I remember as we were coming up on the end of season three last year, and kind of looking down to what we were going to do with season four, I was like, we need to change the brown fight because it's yeah. awful. I hate it. None of us did good. It was a quick hurry up and get it done so mm-hmm. we can. So we can get to the next bit. It and was in no way satisfying. It wasn't satisfying. And especially after we've been, bu- this has been a thing that's been building up like since the beginning. Yeah. Like we needed, this needed to be our focus. Yeah. So we I, really needed this to be our focus. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault us for afterwards because I will say the after bit, which is the start of season five was fucking lightning. Mm-hmm. Like that was hilarious. You guys, y'all are in for a treat. It's great. Yeah. That was, that was fun. So getting to that part was fine. But yeah, the the in-between part was it, that really really needed help. It was unsatisfying. It was none of us were doing good. All of us just wanted to move on to the next part. We weren't feeling it. And that was one of the things that we basically knew we were going to change yeah. from the get-go for se- for the end. And because it needed to have gravitas, it needed to have an importance. Yeah. This was the end of Talia's quest. Like, this was everything in her life that she had been working towards was to kill, was to get this man to justice. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this was it. This yeah. was the accumulation of it all. So, um, spoilers, this part was outlined. We oh, had, yeah. we, we did not go back in blind. We went in with an outline of exactly how we wanted this part to go down and exactly what we wanted to happen. And we did play it. We did play it at the table. We did put, we but did we play played it, it a lot like we did with the trial with an outline. Yep. Yep. And I think it turned out great. I, it turned oh, out so good. So good. We changed it so it wasn't Calrel, it was Break Peak. Break Peak. Yep. yep. And 
And you had to go on an airship? Oh, God. Instead of, <laughs> yeah, instead of a riverboat, we went on an airship, which was, like, just gives you a hint of, like, how Talia hates those fucking things. <laughs> and, yeah, she was not at all happy. And Fen made an appearance. Apparently, people thought Fen was very funny. I love Fen. Um, I think I was the one that su- suggested that it was at Breakpeak, and there's a reason for that, which was I wanted a beach episode, which <laughs> right. we'll get, which we will get to in a minute. Yes. But, yes. Uh, but heading down to Break Peak, a very interesting city in the district, uh, how it's very removed from the control of the Twelve. It's almost its own little city-state. Uh, and uh, we made the narrative choice that Tally and Celine were failing miserably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's not something that obviously happened in the last one. We found him pretty quickly. But it, it was more interesting. Because we have... all were in the mindset of just get it over with. Yeah. Yeah. But it was way more interesting to not to not succeed yeah. at something. Especially because we just killed a fucking, like, god-king witch. Like, <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Like, we just saved the world from being possibly hurled back into darkness and destruction. And now we're in this new city and can't even get information. Can't even yeah, fi- can't, can't even find one guy. Yeah, it was it was kinda it was very funny to to see like the highs and lows of like it's like basically world saviors mundane shit failing at. You know, mm-hmm. it was very it was fun to do that. It's kinda. like saving the world and then not being able to open a jar of pickles. Yeah. <laughs> It so was fun. You guys go in a huge circle around the city till you end up at the bar you started at. <laughs> yeah. We Love literally it. did a full circle. It's so funny. And they, they didn't think it was funny, but I think it's funny. I yeah. thought it was hilarious. And then someone comes and sits next to you. Mm, oh, hello, Hawthorne. So originally Hawthorne was Brown's brother. We found that out when we got to Calrell. Um, it's like, oh, it's him again. Oh, they're brothers. Oh, I can kind of see it. But it wasn't that big of a deal. And his part in it was over in like a flash. He also yeah. died. He died instantly because yeah. t- like, again, they were going to do the duel and Brown cheated and shot at Talia while she was talking to Celine before they'd even started the duel. And Talia just went, oh, fucking no. And then she like shot both of them, killed Hawthorne instantly through the head, shot Brown through the, the hand. So I'd already roll all that, but yeah. like Hawthorne didn't get much past his introduction in the desert. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot to him. And we were just like, Hawthorne is too cool of a character <laughs> yeah. to waste on that. Yeah, really. yeah. So we discussed with Molly, let's make him way more interesting. And we came up with this narrative of this guy is he's a, so he's so done with Brown. Yeah. yeah. He's a big deal. And he's done with his brother's bullshit. Yeah. And it's he's the reason why Talia is able to get close enough. And being able to keep them away, too, which is very funny. Yeah. Because he's the reason they can't find any, like, yeah. hide nor her. And him. he really just, and, like, in the original, he was, like, very much on his brother's side of things. Yeah. And this, he's just, he's just a corrupt asshole. Yeah. And he just wants us to go away so he can continue being a corrupt asshole. He doesn't not just you to go away. He wants his brother to go away. <laughs> uh-huh. He wants all of us gone yeah. one way or the just other. Get out of my fucking district. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it, it's interesting because it's like we have to prioritize as characters. And like, yeah, this guy is corrupt and abusing people and doing all kinds of bad things. But we're only two people and this isn't our fight. 
Yeah. Like, we did talk about, like, why didn't we try to bring down the 12? Because they're so terrible and they're so oppressive. And it's just not our fight. And we can't really... <sighs> and you take down the 12 and then what? You're going to stick around and set up a whole new government? Yeah. It, yeah we'll like, just, no, just be creating a, a political vacuum. Yeah. And so it's like we are here to do the thing we set out to do. And we can't, we can't save every single person and it's really presumptuous to think that all these that these people need saving from their government in the first place. Like, how is their government any more or less corrupt than ours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like... and in the same in the same vein, like, yeah, we're gonna let Hawthorne continue being a corrupt, horrible, abusive asshole, and yes, we're going to accept his help, knowing that we are going to leave him to be a horrible, corrupt, abusive asshole because we're only two people and we are here to do a job and we can't do everything. So Hawthorne lives. Hawthorne lives. Hawthorne lives to corrupt another day. What a cool name, too. Hawthorne. Yeah, like, like, he was a cool character. I'm really glad he lived Yeah, in the end. As much as I he just died. love to hate him and hate to love him, but I'm so glad that he's around because he's so fun. He's horrible, but he's fun. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I really enjoyed Hawthorne a lot. I really liked the part he played in the new recording that we did where, you know, he kind of was holding all the cards. Yeah. And they kind of had to go along with it or or it was over. I also yeah. love Celine talking to him. Oh, God, right? <laughs> like, trying to one-up him. Yeah, like, <laughs> like she's... Uh, Tali and Celine are both such a good influence and such a bad influence on each other because, like, Tali is learning to, like, be a little imp and prank people from Celine. Yep. And Celine is learning to wave her dick around from Talia. And this yep. was definitely her waving her dick around. Oh, yeah, she. it was very funny. <laughs> What is the biggest spider you have ever seen? Yeah. <laughs> Probably the one I built. <laughs> okay. It was funny. Like, that whole interaction. It was when she, I forget what it is, but he says something and she goes, she goes, awesome. Like, she calls him by his first yeah. name and it's just so fucking condescending. It's like, who the fuck do you think you are, Celine? <laughs> overall, overall, it was a lot of fun. And we, like, while we did outline this part, like all of those like little smaller interactions of dialogue between two characters, it was, those were it was all, outlined, not scripted. Yeah, those mm-hmm. were all improv. So yeah. we were playing this. Yeah, we were absolutely playing this. Yeah, um, um, and there are specifically three moments from Hawthorne that are my absolute favorite uh, of of his. Uh huh. It was I can't kill I can't kill Brown because I promised my mother I wouldn't. Yep. The fact that his mother's still alive. Yeah, I can't swear on my mother's grave because she's still alive. (laughs) (laughs) And then when we actually get to the duel, how he holds Brown at gunpoint. Yeah. And just like, you aren't going anywhere, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. I have had it with you. (laughs) Speaking of the fight, like, of course, so Talia and Celine, obviously, they're like, okay, we're going to, we'll take you up on your offer if it gets me brown. And when we get to the fight, Talia is an absolute fucking wreck, which is hilarious. Um, (laughs) It's like, it's 7 a.m. We have to get out there. (laughs) And and Renal and and Celine are just like, no. Get off the table. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I forgot. That was ad lib. That was yeah, great. It Get was off totally, the table. It was totally no. ad libbed. <laughs> <laughs> then you take her into the Feywild and fast forward. <laughs> yeah, because the guy I asked, like, do you want me to, to go to the Feywild and fast forward time? And she was like, no, wait, that you can do that. <laughs> like, 
Uh-huh. Renal's like, I'm going to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> Way to keep it real, Renal. <laughs> Which is really funny. Here, here's a here's another funny thing. In the original recording, Renal overslept and did not actually right. make it to the Brown fight. Right. She was, or she was just hanging out in the house. And Tally and Celine said, we're going to go ahead and scout ahead. And she's like, yeah, sure, have fun. And missed the brown fight completely. Uh-huh. They still gave her the money. They're like, no, you helped us out. I'm going to give you the, we're going to, you know, give you the money, you know, it, three ways and stuff like that. But she had absolutely no part in yeah. the actual, like, taking brown down in the original. And in this version, it's I made sure better. not only did Renal have something to do, <laughs> but Celine had something to do because I didn't want them to just be standing around like, ooh, Tally's waving her dick around. She needs an audience. Yeah, it's like, no. no, 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 have her doing, have them doing something. And, and Brown did try to cheat again and yep. then was. But he didn't, he didn't have his inside man anymore. No. Yep. <laughs> I, I will say, I will also say that despite this being outlined and us knowing how it was gonna end up the part where the duel actually happens Mm -hmm. and you pause to explain the rules is so good because even at the table even though i knew how this was gonna shake out i was still like my foot was still bouncing like oh this is so good this is so good and like i got like like my like my heartbeat start like my heart rate started going up and like the fact that you slowed us down to explain how serious this could be so good yeah that was so a really good. really good moment because like the way we were looking at it was we had already made all the rules mm-hmm. for what was about to happen I had already made them in the original recording we were kind of doing the same thing which was Talia was going to shoot non lethally mm-hmm. because she wanted Brown alive. And so I had already made those rolls. So we knew this was how it was going to go down and it was already happened. It already happened. But in the recording, yeah, Molly taking that moment to explain to us how this duel was going to go down. Yeah. It kind of gave everybody like a. Oh, well, because how I view player, how I view character HP is not just like this is how many times you can physically be hit before you go down. Yeah. This pool of points represents your ability to avoid damage, your ability to mitigate harm. With or withstand, mitigate or avoid. Yeah. And firearms are deadly weapons. I don't care how many hit points you have. Somebody puts a gun to your head and pulls the trigger. You're dead. You're dead. Yeah. So even these old timey guns. Yeah. So having like slowing it down. Old timey. Well, old time. Yeah. <laughs> slowing it down like this is just like there is no dodging. <laughs> there, there is no dodging here. These are two people standing, pointing lethal weapons at each other in just a test of speed on the draw. Mm-hmm. And I had Talia be so fucking cocky. And confident that she didn't even draw her weapon until the last fucking second yeah. when it solidified in her hand. And it's like, yeah. Just <laughs> slowing it down like that, the music that you used, the just everything just gave it this cinematic quality. Oh, that... the end is so it's cinematic as fuck. <laughs> I, that's exactly what I was hoping for. Like, the, the... I needed this moment to be, like, you could see this movie. Yeah. Like, you could see this in your brain. You could see, like, the doo-doo-doo, yeah. wah wah Like, that level of tension, I wanted it. 
and I think I got it. I think you did too. Like judging by your both of you, like between the two of you and Jess, who are just like like and, as soon as you heard it, you and guys Sarah all, and Sarah, all all of you guys were like freaking out at me. They're like, "Holy shit!" Even ah! and even like, the details down to like the ricochet sound effect you found is just like pitch perfect yeah i was very excited when that whole thing went down and uh i actually think i might put that in my demo reel in some way but i don't Mm. know how but it was yeah it was a really cool moment yeah to to be able to make that scene exactly how we envisioned it and how epic we wanted that to be and i don't regret like i don't care what anyone says Outlines are great. I love outlines. Yeah. They're, they're, I wouldn't want to go into like a game like with all of us having an outline of like how we want to play the game. Yeah. But I think for moments like these, I think this and the trial have been the two big things that we had outlined mm-hmm. because we needed to hit the right beats. Yeah. And this is where our show leans more into audio drama than actual play, which is fine because it's a marriage of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the fact that we did outline it, but also we're still improving at the table, is what made it such a good ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, even after Talia wins the duel, we still need to. <laughs> we can't just kill Brown there. Nope. No, we no. need to show him exactly how badly he failed. So yep. welcome to the Feywild, Brown. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Feywild, Leroy. Yep, that was um. That was a fun like that. Tell the the funny thing is is like, like it's come out a bunch of times, but Tally's sadistic side has been kind of like chilling out for the most part, especially after the kids. Mm-hmm. But like, it's there. There's a really really dark part of her brain that resides of like making someone suffer. She's not opposed to that. Like if someone deserves it, mm-hmm. she's not opposed to making them suffer. And this was like one of those moments, I think, of like, like I'm gonna make this man suffer, and deservedly but, so. And you know, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna falter. That's, ex- you know, yeah. she could have done worse, but all she did was, I think, all, all she did in this scene was, I think, she scared him a little bit with the spiders. Yeah. Scared him with the spiders. Also, Celine was like, "Oh yes, we broke the Feywild crystal, and it's the Feywild everywhere now," which, yeah. which is a, which is a damn lie. But. He don't need to know that. He doesn't know that. No, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't He's about to, to die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the and at no. the end of it all, he all he knew was that he was broke, he was betrayed, he was friendless, he had nothing to his name, he had no power, and the thing that he had been doing most of his life had failed utterly. Mm-hmm. And now he was getting turned in, and Talia was going to shoot him in the back of the head. He didn't mm-hmm. know that last part, but. Talia made sure she utterly destroyed him before it ended. And um, you had a really good insight about yeah. that. One thing that we kind of thought about while we were putting this outline together is how epic do we want to make the Leroy Brown fight since it is something that we've been building up since season one is this, 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 this is a big bad of sorts. Mm-hmm. And in the end, we decided it doesn't really need to be a big, long, epic battle for for a couple of reasons. One, we had already done one of those. Yeah, <laughs> we had a had our we kind of had our big, long, epic battle with God Emperor Hot Topic Manager Tony. <laughs> <laughs> That's his name now. Yep. <laughs> Forever be known as yes. Yep. And so I, I, to have another big climactic 
battle would get kind of old and get kind of like, okay. It's like, oh, another one. Great. Like, they would start taking the the gravitas off of what we had just gone through. Also, we're a Wild West show. You gotta have a duel. We gotta have a high noon duel. Yeah. And, like, we hadn't had one of those. This is a perfect opportunity to have a classic Wild West cinematic high noon duel, which, like, yeah, it turned out great. And in the end, which is, I think, the point you were getting to, is that without his power, without his influence, without his the people in his network, and without his genocidal organization, Leroy Brown was just a pathetic old man. And that's how he needed to go out. Like a pathetic old man. Yep. He was a genocidal fuckhead, and he had nothing left because Talia had taken it all away. Yep. And I think that that was such a good fitting end and probably the best kind of, like, character getting what they deserve mm-hmm. sort of moments. And this was complete revenge. Yeah. He took everything from her when she was a child. Now she has built back up. She has built up what he took and more. Mm-hmm. And took everything from him. Yeah. It's so good. It was it was very satisfying and a really good end for Talia's revenge slash justice arc. Mm-hmm. I had originally had Talia take him to Sarah, like just the same way. Mm-hmm. Like that one, that one part, I, we re, we redid it just to make the recording sound consistent. But that's something that happened in the original. Talia brought him alive to Sarah Kremen. And in the middle of the constable station with multiple witnesses, she had Sarah read out the wanted poster and shot him in the back of the head and then broke down. And that like so I needed to preserve that because that was really important. And in the original Talia just kind of like went, it's over and like Mm kind of had like a breather where in this one I had her sobbing because like the emotional release of like. It is, it is truly actually over. over. It is like, I have done what I set out to do. It's been 20 years. 20 years, and it's done. And, like, that release and, th- and those tears. I was crying. Mm-hmm. I was, like, actually crying because of, like, that was, it was heavy. And mm-hmm. it finally got lifted. Yeah. And so I, I needed that, uh, again, I needed that scene to be powerful and it. I think it turned out okay. Definitely it turned did. out great, yeah. <laughs> and maybe it was putting a hat on a hat, but the the dream that I brought in. Oh god, that <laughs> that had me like I didn't expect that. I sobbed. I was like oh, that that was such a good just like cherry on top of everything of like oh the grave that had been dug for him 20 years like holy shit. <laughs> The Sunday is complete. Like, it was so good thematically. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you like, and Ronald actually got to do something, so. Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, uh. And moving on directly from that, a scene that, again, that we, that was originally in the original, um, but we shifted around for it to be way better and way more threatening um, which was the Lord Mayor Vinalden, mm-hmm. who originally came to them and was like, hey, great job. 
that's great. And we're just like, oh, God, it's him. Uh, <laughs> and he's just like, yes, everything's great. You know, that's Sunny Ears. He's in he's in Air Pike Academy, right? Yeah. We know. Well, we expect great things from him. And then Celine was just like, "Where's Victoria Aggression?" This, this was, <laughs> this was a part of like a, a moment where I was just like, "What was I fucking thinking?" That was so dumb. And I actually went to Chris and I was like, "Can we please, 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 please re-record that?" Because it's so, it's so dumb. Why would she do that? Yep. And I think this works out a lot better. I mean, I think mm-hmm. all of our re-records ended up being a lot better than what we had originally, because. Why? I mean, like, Celine ha- is angry about Victoria Gresham. She's not so angry that she's going to put her son in danger. Yeah. But so it makes more sense that she would make the threat first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of like, here is this here is this asshole who is holding this woman for some reason. And this is personal to her. This is an affront to her, and it's an affront to the Undertaker. What the fact that Victoria Gresham is still alive and still in business? Mm-hmm. She's so angry, and it's like she knows it's a bad idea on some level, but she can't fucking help herself when fa- faced with this person that she knows is doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she asks. Where is Victoria Gresham? And that's and also this is this is like her swinging her dick around, but like with a, with a purpose this time, I guess. But it's like I fucking know you have her. Mm-hmm. You it, may be able to pull the wool over other people's eyes, but I know. Yeah, this scene originally was kind of rushed, so we wanted to like slow it down and add to the tension a little bit, like kind of really lean into the fact that Tally and Celine were like really uncomfortable with this and make it really obvious that the mayor was doing this. Cause originally the mayor did not have reporters. Right. Um, yeah. He came in with like, I think one other, per- one or two other people, like business people or like, you know, people who worked in the, the mayor's office, but he didn't come in with a flock of reporters but it made way more sense for him to use this as a political tool mm-hmm. and to use this as a way to live, like be like, look at these guys, like look, something great just happened. And, you know, these brave people, they've done so much for our district and like the like shaking their hand and yeah. making this a stunt and like, you know, and drilling home the fact that like we just left a corrupt government. Hey, guys, guess what? We've got one right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's still a problem. And Celine drawing attention to the fact that what happened, it's like, where's Victoria Gresham kind of gives the audience another reminder. Like, we haven't forgotten that plot point. It's still a thing. Yeah. And it's going to come up. We might have we might have been a bit distracted by other things, but Celine certainly hasn't forgotten about Victoria Gresham and neither should you. Yeah, that's that that it's the reminder to the audience of like this is still a plot. Mm-hmm. This still has threads going. Just FYI, and it gives Selena a chance to you know be the impish asshole that she is. You know, thinking she's got the upper hand of like you know where's Victoria Gresham, and then to immediately be spiked back. Oh, oh, another like ice in the stomach moment. But that's another. It, it's a, another like story wise. It's a great reminder. Like, we're dealing with a government that is very dangerous, and we aren't the one holding the cards. And we have things to lose. 
this we have to we can't just run around and swing our dicks around for the for you know lack of a better term like we were doing when we're badass bounty hunters like this is great you know it's like we're unstoppable we literally just saved the world we got this and you know but to be reminded and brought back down to reality of like you're not in control no you know you're Nobody really knows what you just did, and you really don't want to tell people because that can lead to some weird things. You're also going to sound like a crazy person. And you're going to sound crazy to some people. So, like, <laughs> people all that know of us that, be like, yeah, that's probably happened. Yeah, really. Like, so all of that being said, and you are not in a position of power, like, at, like you've never been in a position of power, but now that you're playing with the big boys, you're really not in a yeah. position of power. Like, at least before. The, you had the support of the DMP. Yeah. You don't have that anymore. Yeah, that's not a thing anymore. I think it also speaks to how, like, at least in season two, we had fought so hard against the threat of Leroy Brown becoming Lord Mayor. And now we're realizing, oh, oh, oops, this guy isn't any better and maybe worse. Problema. <laughs> we are in trouble. Yeah. So... That was that scene was really good. I think I worked on that one too. Um, uh, I think you did. Where yeah. I I really wanted to emphasize that, like, kind of hinting at the stuff that's going to happen later in the story. Like, here's plot points that maybe you've forgotten about, but it's still a thing, so beware. And also s- setting up where Tally and Celine are in the food chain. As far as the political structure of this world, at the bottom, at the bottom, they are not. Yeah, like at best, they're they're pawns, and that's a problem. So it was a really cool scene, and that again, we we outlined for the most part, but it was all improv, um, except for that one line of Victoria, Gre- like where's Victoria Gresham? But that originally was improv, so yeah, it was just so, kind of like carrying it over. Yeah, so. That scene turned out really fucking well, I See, think. See, if we if we have, like, a really good idea, I just assume that it was your idea, Chris. No, no, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. how this works. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, like, I have good, I have good, like, embroideries. Molly has good concepts in, in bro- like, broad concepts at the table. But, like, as far as, like, you have the best, I think, cinematic eye because you're a video editor. So I think when you're like, here, I have an idea for this scene. And, like, Molly and, and Jess and I can, like, give suggestions. But, like, you're the it's all you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I'm biased. Oh, well, maybe. Maybe. But I do. I enjoy, like, those little. I like looking at the little details in scenes and, like, being able to go into that like people who make those video analysis that shit is my like jam mm-hmm. I love people who can look at the details of a scene and pick out the subtle things going on and like really like give you the nitty gritty of what's going on but how does this scene work yeah how does this scene work why does it work and what it's trying to convey and with audio it's a lot harder to do that we have to do that with our voices with the tones of our voice mm-hmm. and through Molly's description of how things are happening. That was a that was a big challenge for me and it, it, it continued to be a challenge beyond this season is that I did a lot of acting through my body language and you had to keep reminding me, no one can see you. Yeah. You have to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so And sometimes it can be awkward saying Celine leans on her. Like saying what you're physically doing gets awkward sometimes. But it's really important for the audience to know 
if Celine is not being verbal, you need to describe what she's doing. She looks like Talia, I didn't say like she looks very uncomfortable or she's she gets quiet or yeah. something like that. And that sort of thing is really, really important to a mm-hmm. scene. So I if, if I say Celine videos. gets quiet, something's wrong. Yeah. She's quiet, something's wrong. Either she's very sad or she's about to kill somebody. <laughs> or someone's about to die. Or sometimes someone's about both. to die. Sometimes both. Uh-huh. But one thing one point I wanted to make that as far as ideas an idea that I came up with. There's a reason I suggested that Brown be in Breakpeak, which is a city by the ocean, because I wanted a beach episode. I it, this this one was my idea was that after the, it's all said and done with Brown, like Celine had seen a sign for a resort down in Breakpeak, and really wanted to see the ocean because they don't they have they have Clearwater Lake, mm-hmm. they have the Salvation River. But they don't have an ocean. Yeah. Yep. And, like, that's something that she's not necessarily has been, like, a dream of hers to see. But, like, something that she's always kind of had in the back of her mind is, like, the ocean sounds amazing. I want to see it. And so even though they got, they got a glimpse of it, like, at the docks and stuff, she but wanted... the docks. That's she not the ocean. wanted a vacation. Yeah. Also, she thought, and she was correct, that she fucking deserved one. And I really <laughs> love the image of her... When she's yelling at James and Tali about how she wants a vacation, like she's standing up on the sofa, wings all puffed out, like because she's like an angry owl, like like, yeah, like an angry parrot, and these two people that are way bigger than her and physically way stronger are just leaning leaning away, away, like get this woman a vacation. (laughs) It was it was uh, one of those weird things of like ending a season on a huge slice of life instead of like on a. Uh, like a major tragedy like obviously we end with a cliffhanger but it's a cliffhanger that kind of comes out of fucking nowhere um we lured y'all into a false sense of security yeah like this like we're ending on a huge slice of life of them having a fucking relaxing few days with the kids and it's just like it's very i love how out of place it seems almost at first it's like all of a sudden, a beach episode, sure. I mean, we make it work in the story, obviously. Yeah. But, like, it's very, like, total tonal shift. <laughs> like, one, like 180 tone shift. Like, I found tropical music, beach, yeah. like, beach island music. Like, you guys go on a pirate or a, a ship to go, go see a boat a pirate, tour. Yeah, yeah, a boat tour. Like, there's, there's a gift shop. There's a gift shop. There, like, it's... A total tone shift from the rest of the the entire season, and it's hilarious in yeah. my opinion because it acts very much like a beach episode. Because most of the time, when you have like, it's really famous in anime to have like the beach episode. And while and you, I wanted one of those, yeah. And while you might have like a monster show up at the beach episode, for the most part, it a beach episode consists of the entire group going to a completely different location. To have fun at the beach. Yeah. And is kind of, like you could take it out of the plot completely and you would not know anything happened. Which in theory, at least it seems as though you might be able to do that with this. And honestly, you probably could could sum this up pretty well in like then they had a fun time at the beach. Yeah. But it was real. But we were like it was also really important for us to slow everything down 
to get everybody in a place where they can kind of contemplate where they were at. Because I think Tally and Selene actually have a conversation. It's like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah, I guess we go back to bounty hunting. This was something that Jess actually, I wish she was here so she could give her give give her opinion on this. But this was something that she was a kind of a point of contention when we were discussing it. Because she was asking, why are they going back to bounty hunting? Why are they talking about going back to bounty hunting when they know how corrupt the government is. And it was just kind of a like, well, I guess we can do this. It was, it was not, this was not a comment that had a lot of thought put behind it. It was more them just speculating Mm -hmm. of like, I guess we can go back to bounty hunting because this actually like comes into something that Talia is kind of aware of, which is this is really what she's good at. And she doesn't really know how to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, now that her revenge is done, what now? Yeah, what is she supposed to do? And it was just kind of that, like, they were just kind of talking about it without making any, like, huge decisions. Because stuff has been changing for them. The government is a problem. And... I also don't think that they have the presence of mind to be like, oh, right, being a bounty hunter <laughs> means being an agent of the state. No, because to Talia, like... Being a bounty hunter means she's helping out local, mm-hmm. like communities because she's because she's a good person and she wants to. She's community oriented. Yeah, and like so, she'll go to a small town, and the sheriff will have a bounty out for somebody who robbed somebody and needs to be brought in. It's like there, I'm helping the community. Yeah, I'm helping my district. So to her, she doesn't make the one in one connection like government bad, bounty hunting bad, because those two things aren't the same thing for her. Right. So, And our girls aren't that smart. <laughs> like, I mean, they're getting the clue. They're, I mean, they're, get, they're getting there. They're getting there, but they're, they're not... There. They're not... They're not intellectuals. They're really not. And it takes time. But I think that we do a really good job building that up and, like, the slow realization mm-hmm. of, like, uh-oh, uh-oh. And, but, it, but it takes time to get there. So I know Jess had an issue of, like, why don't they immediately recognize that this is bad it's like because they're not they're not there yet yeah they haven't discovered that yet and but they're, they're, they're just getting a taste of it they're now. just getting the taste that oh it's all connected oh mm-hmm. this is all the same thing it takes time it get we get there i promise eventually but but it doesn't um, matter because right now we're we at the beach we're at the beach we're at the beach and yeah we're we're just having conversation about maybe what's going to happen. I think we even bring James over. Yeah, we do bring, bring, bring James. James. Yep, you yep. bring you bring James. You drag James to the beach. We kidnap for a day. him. Kidnap him. And I think I really like that moment. Actually, that was totally like we didn't plan that at that all. That was not in the outline. That was not in the outline. I just thought it up. It's like you know what? Can I get James out here? Because one of the things I I realized from season three and four is that Talia has this really weird. Thing that she does that I totally didn't mean for it to sound like, but it sounds like I'm bullying him, <laughs> and I don't mean to. That was another thing that Jess pointed out. Like yeah, she was, she like, was listening to the to the recording, and she's like, "Wow, Talia's really bossy." And we're like, "No, she's, she's not. not." And then and we then, listen to the recording, and she like bosses James around like three times in under ten minutes, and we're like, "Oh, she um, is pretty bossy. She is." And yeah. like the the relationship that I was trying to go for was like the nagging older sister uh-huh. of like, I'm out, I'm like, hey, idiot, I'm out for your best interest and like punch in the arm kind of a thing. Uh-huh. But in a loving way, like we're siblings, this is how siblings act. 
it does not come across that way, right. unfortunately, or it does not in the same sense that I was thinking. So I really wanted to have Talia and James have like a minute where they could kind of have a heart to heart and really get to know each other mm-hmm. in like the context of the story because they do get to know each other throughout the story, but it's there's never a time they really like sit down and be friends mm-hmm. and just chill and yeah. get to know each other. And so that moment was that moment was really important to me because yeah. that's literally her best friend and she loves him a lot. I didn't want anyone to think that Talia was like trying to be like a jerk to him on purpose. No, she's being a jerk to him on accident. On accident, yes. I didn't mean for it to sound that way. I didn't want people to think she was being a jerk to him at all. Yeah. But so after we get to District Three, find Brother Martin, take down some bounty hunters, get dragged into the desert, kill a purple worm, go to Anthonopolis, get attacked by a horde of zombies, kill the lich of God Emperor Hot Topic Manager Anthonius, kill Leroy Brown, go to the beach. After all of that, we got one more bombshell for you. Y'all thought. Y'all thought, y'all thought you were going to get a nice ending to a season. And you did. The beach was a fun place to be. And there were some fun, like, family moments and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then we drop a bombshell on you. Which was that there is another werewolf. Back in Kalkanar. Kalkanar. Back in Kalkanar. In the glass palace. In a zoo. And... You know, we we knew that that's where it was going to end. We were pretty. It's like we're going to drop it in there, and and I can say that season five literally picks up with that exact like the moment exact like after that. There's like, there's no there's no shopping to be done. Yeah, no. at the beginning of season five. No, we went from there's a werewolf in Kalkanar to a moment afterwards of what happens next. So. It's like we hit the ground running with season five. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be a trip. Yeah. To say, and I'm really excited for season five. We are still going through it as as of recording this. I'm still trying to find the end of this season. It might have to get broken up into two. So instead of eight seasons, there's gonna be nine. There might seasons. be nine seasons. There might be ten seasons, as far as I know. Who knows? But um, like this was not all, like we were planning the season. We're planning each season as we're getting to it or a little bit before. So we still haven't found the end because season five is going to be one of those seasons where a lot happens, but not a lot of like major booms happen, I guess. um, Season five is more episodic. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. We're kind of trying to decide where is a good ending point because season five and six are both very episodic. Yeah. And things do happen, but it's not like this is the... Like, season four was the District 3 season and the Leroy Brown season and the God Emperor Hot Topic Manager Tony season. Yeah. So we had kind of some central themes of, like, these are the main events that happened in season four. Season five is much more episodic. Yeah. And so we're still working on it. Um, If you're listening to this when it releases... um, it might be a minute before we get going. I know that usually we like to start our seasons in October. That's not happening. There's a week left of October, and yeah. we're definitely not going to be able to start season five. And yeah. so it might take some time, but the story will be way, way better for it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. So what are you guys' final thoughts on season four? What do you guys think? I think it's my second favorite season. Yeah. I have to agree. Season two is still my favorite season, but I think season four is a close second. I think season two is my favorite as far as what we were able to achieve in the story with absolutely no understanding of how any of this worked. Yeah. Because we like see like season one, we learned a lot, but you can totally tell it was like the season that we were learning how to do this. Season two, just we fell on it. Oh, yeah. And it turned out lightning in a bottle. Holy shit. Season two was epic. But I think we had a lot of good lightning in a bottle moments here in season four as well. And I think it was that way because we looked at it objectively and artistically and what narratively was and cinematically too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it became lightning in a bottle because we were able to do all of those things and make it as good as it was. So I have a lot of I, I'm very excited for what we can do because I, I'm not going to lie. Season five does need help as far as. Oh, just, yeah tying together some things because at D&D tables everyone knows who's played D&D or any TTRPG that sometimes plot lines can just kind of float around. Yeah. It's like I've been I've been kind of listening in to doing as Chris is doing the is breaking up the audio and right now season 5 is very meandering. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to uh tighten that up a little bit yeah, because you to... tend to kind of meander at the table sometimes. It happens. It's, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, especially as we're waiting for something to happen but not really like there yet and we have other stuff we need to do so it just kind of we're just kind of wandering around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's fine. And that's we'll... fine. It'll it'll turn out really good and I ha- and because season 4 turned out as good as it did with all of us like coming together and going, hey, we need to fix a couple of things and making it as good as it was. Um, I have a lot of hope for season five. I'm I, really do. Exci- I'm I do. I really do too. There excited. are some yeah. things that happen in season five. I'm super excited about, which obviously I can't talk about because that's spoilers. But there are some things that and things that we've hinted at. Things that we've hinted at. I'm a little. I'm a little apprehensive as far as season five, as far as like audience reaction, um, just because some things happen in season five that change a few dynamics. Yeah. But I really like them. I think it adds a lot to the story personally, but I don't know how, but I'm also like, I don't know how. Whenever you, whenever you introduce a bit like new stuff that we're, this is, this is going to make no sense to anybody. Cause you don't know what we're talking about, but like whenever you introduce new big elements to the story, you always kind of clench your butt a little bit. Yeah, and like, like, what is the audience going to think about this? Yeah. Especially because we can't change it. <laughs> yeah, though yeah. I don't want to change it because I think it was a ma- like it's major elements of a story going forward and I just hope the audience stays with us on it. I don't think they won't because y'all have been in it with us for four seasons. You might as well ride out the other four. Yeah. I you mean, might, you as, might well. as well. You might as well. Might as well, yeah. What yeah. else are you going to do with your time? <laughs> That, you can go listen to another one, but gonna, now you just don't. gonna just like they don't. Bull, no gonna, other podcast loves you. Like I'm gonna we love bully you. our audience into continuing <laughs> listening. Make them just like yeah. what? What else you gotta? Do? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a good way to get any. They don't love just, you like we love you, baby. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, so gross. <laughs> I think the only thing we didn't touch on, which was not really a huge part of the story. But was definitely like more of a fun part was the River King. Oh, the River King! We forgot to talk about him. Oh. It's yeah. okay. He'll be he'll be back. He'll, he'll be, be back. spoilers. He'll be back. Spoilers. He'll be back. He's everyone's favorite bitch. Oh, he's such a bitch, and I love him. And like I I I loved him as soon as we like 
got done with his like part in season three. I was like, I'm I'm going to call him. Yep. Call me. Season four was really good as far as how we brought it all together and I'm really proud of all of us. Like I am too. From the original stuff that we did coming from Molly's brain and just how much fun we had at the table to all the post stuff we did and everybody like making time to redo the parts and it just it all worked really well and I'm really excited. It was also really fun to do those re-records because we haven't played Feywild for like a year. We hadn't played Feywild for over a year at that point. So it was kind of like coming back to uh, like old friends. It was. It was really nice. And we're going to do that again in five where we're going to have to re-record I'm I'm excited for that. So I am too. But there's more that we have on the horizon aside from just Feywild. That's right. So this retrospective is going to be very late. And um, uh, also... The starting of season five will also be late. So we thought it might be fun to give you guys a preview. As, a, the, uh, as, as, as a, an apology. As an apology for, for just taking so long to do anything. Yeah, I'm sorry. We, we're, this is a, this, we're doing this stuff in our free time. Also, we're trying so hard. Also, like, to give you all an idea, we thought this would take, like, a couple hours, maybe, like, two or three. We've been recording this retrospective for seven hours now. Yep. Yeah. We did We did, We did. did have, like, some breaks and stuff, so it's not like we've been yeah. sitting at this table and not moving for seven hours. But, like, God, we take a long time to do goddamn anything. We do, we do. so yeah. ADHD mood. So, yeah. um, But we wanted to give kind of a preview of some of the stuff we've been working on. Um, including two spinoff series. We've talked a lot about these, but yeah, we've kind of, but we didn't, we haven't really gone into too much detail about them because we're kind of, we were trying to keep some of it under wraps. But since we're about ready to start like moving into production with them, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, one of them is a mini series, which is it's a shorter series of like three separate stories or so. And they're like 20 or 30 some odd episodes each. We haven't figured it out yet, um, which is called Faded in the Damned. And Molly yep. is back as our DM. Or yep. if you if you uh, abbreviate it, it's the Fat D. Yeah. <laughs> the Fat D. The Fat, the fat D. D. Which yes. I've been calling it that. And <laughs> everybody is at, the, at, at once like annoyed and amused that I keep calling it that. But yes, the Faded in the Damned. The Faded in the Damned. Yep. It's a story that takes place uh, five years before... Our intrepid adventurers walk into the death house. Yep. So um, all of this is in the same universe, same time period. This one we have started recording, mm-hmm. not on the new setup. I think we start. I think we started. We started on the Yeti. Yeah. On the Yeti, but everything for the most part, I think, except for like two or three episodes, will be on the new setup. And so far, that's really fun. Uh, Megzi, you want to tell us about? Your character? <laughs> sure. So in this one, I'm playing a paladin, and her name is Dante Lancaster, and she is a paladin of the mother. So I'm playing another religious character. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. And she is a meathead. <laughs> like, <laughs> she is the biggest meathead paladin. She's very tall and very muscular, and... She has a very high intimidation score because she knows she's big and scary, but she is also a meathead. Now, is she like Talia levels of meathead or is she? No, she's not nearly as like warm and fluffy as Talia is. Because Talia has like slightly himbo energy. That's the difference. Talia is a himbo. Dante's a meathead. (laughs) 
and y'all y'all will know when when you meet her that like she's got a she's got a good heart, but she's also just <laughs> she thinks she thinks with her mace. She has her weapon is a mace, and that's what she thinks with. Talia thinks with her dick. Dante thinks with her mace, and she might have some things that are going on with her that are secret and exciting and I'm curious to see what's behind that eye patch. Yeah, she's got an eye patch and she wears her hair over one eye, which is very 2006 emo and love it. Love and it. I'm embracing it and She got it from Tony's I don't, store. Don't Oh, the hot topic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm embracing it and just going with it and it's fine. But yeah, she's I get got, to I get to design her outfit. Yes. So. Her outfit is gonna be like well she's so like I said she's very tall, she's very muscular, she has long black hair of course, over with an eye patch and her hair over one eye. That's Dante, meathead paladin extraordinaire. Yes. Tell us about your character. So while uh, Megzi also stuck with another religious character, um, I decided I hate myself and went the opposite direction of Talia. And I'm playing a completely 180 from what Talia is. And that's been fun trying to relearn a character. Um but I am playing a, uh, I won't spoil the type of sorcerer they are, um, but they are a sorcerer, which somewhat focuses on fire. Fire I- seems to be the, the thing that he uses the most. Um, and his name is Charlemagne. <laughs> um, is that his name? Yes. As far as you know, his name is Charlemagne. Charlemagne. Yes. Charlemagne is where Dante is extremely tall. Charlemagne is extremely short. Not too short. He's about he's about five eight. What is his personality like? Charlemagne wants to experience everything. He is curious and excited about trying all sorts of new things. <laughs> um, one of his main things he does is he'll go to a bar and ask for the best and the worst drink because he wants to experience both. And he'll drink both, but he wants to taste both mm-hmm. and it's always really fun to watch the bartenders like kind of look at him funny but he like he's very curious about everything he can't wait to go do go somewhere new he's very eccentric isn't he's he? very eccentric he, he wears a lot of bright colors he talks like bayonetta oh yes <laughs> <laughs> i I was very particular about how I wanted to do his accent. And I listened to a lot of very posh British individuals. And I'm like, there's his accent. That is what Charlemagne sounds like. (laughs) And he just likes to accentuate all of his words and just likes to get in the nitty gritty of things. And sometimes he mumbles a bit, but, you know, and he's talking underneath his breath, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's, everything is a visual. Everything is <laughs> Everything is a production stage. with him. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Oh, so he of is the exact opposite of Dante, who yep. is like this big, tall, dirty paladin lady. That is like to the point and like, tell me what I need to know and Charlemagne, of course, wants to charm them. So <laughs> it's, and he's a flirt so it, does, it, it, it doesn't help that he, he wants to flirt with all the, all the cute boys. And he's very, he wears very colorful clothing and um, fine finery. He likes his like he likes his fine clothing and he's such a ham. I love him. And we thought it would be really funny to stick these two together and make sure that they can't separate. Yep. So, do you want to give us a very small description of how you manage that, Molly? Well, 
James, newly appointed captain of the Dead Man's Promise, needs some things done, and while these two troubleshooters... Boneheads. Uh, Problems. ...have shown promise on their own, they need to learn to work with partners. Yeah, that's right. Dante has been in the DMP for a while now. Charlemagne has been in the DMP for a few months. <laughs> <laughs> And hasn't gone on any jobs. He's gone on one or two. They've been very easy. <laughs> yep. And they're both very like, I don't want to be, I don't want to partner type people. So mm-hmm. it it kind of is reminiscent of, you know, not to be a huge fan of like cop movies, but this is kind of like a buddy cop movie or like what becomes a buddy cop movie, I suppose, of like the two the two cops it's that a, don't like a, each it's other. It's a buddy movie. Yeah, it's a buddy movie where the two, you know, people don't like each other and they have to try and get along. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just as different as can be. Oh, yeah, they're polar opposites. And it's, we've done, okay, like I said, we've done a few episodes and I think we're, this takes place in District 4. Largely, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, so we're, we're branching out as far as the districts. We're getting a little taste of stuff. I guess there's some cult stuff going on, so that should be fun. Oh, Nice. Yeah. We we did record the first few episodes. How that's going to be released is we're going to release it on Patreon first. And then once it's done, like once one part of it is done, because I think we've broken it up, the, st- the whole story into like three parts or something like that. Um, once one part of it is done, we'll start releasing it for the public. Um, so the public will eventually get it. But Patreon obviously is going to get it first. Um, so if you would like to start your parasocial relationships with yeah. us now, that's one way to go. Or you can follow us on Discord. So the other project we're working on. This one I'm really excited about. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so this one we've been hinting at. We've been kind of talking about it, but we're finally getting into like, all right, it's There's it's a trailer ready. for it even. There's like, like, there's, there's a, there's a there's teaser like a, trailer. like a preview at the end of season three for it, sort of. Yeah, pre- and then, a little and then And then there's a trailer for it. So this is one, Faded in the Damned came up kind of recently as far as like a, a project idea. This one, the, ne- the but Crossroads has been in the works for years. Yep, we have been slowly getting this ready and part of it is me because I because I, you're DMing because I'm DMing I'm the DM for this one Molly and um, Megzi are my players and um, I'm very particular about how I DM also lots of stuff had been happening and like you know yeah. I, cu- I couldn't find time to work on it yeah so we're finally getting it to the point where it's ready and I have so many like ideas of like <laughs> I'm going to go cinematic as balls with this stuff. I'm just letting you know. Molly, you want to tell us about your character that you're playing? <laughs> yes, uh, I'm playing a an awakened construct. Yep. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a robot. I love robots. I love robots so much. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Cognitive reasoner Mark Zero, also known as Crow. I love them. I love them so much. We do. We love Crow. They are a uh, tinkering gunslinger. Yep. That uh, just woke up one day. Doing what? Uh, bank telling. <laughs> <laughs> they they were uh, a prototype model. So you were an ATM. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so the it's as if the ATM just suddenly had feelings. Yeah. Yep. No, uh, they they were a they were a prototype model, uh, thus Mark Zero. 
that has been in service for eh, a couple of years at least. They just woke up one day. And now they have awareness. And now they have awareness. They are... They're a sassy robot. Oh, we, we stand a sassy robot. I love them. I love them so much. Megzi, you want to tell us who you're playing? Sure. So I haven't really come up with a voice for her yet. Like, I have an idea, but I, I'm not going to do a voice because it might change. But I'm playing a tiefling rogue named November. And she is part of a Ocean's Eleven style heist team. So they pull off very, very high-level thefts of very, very powerful and very rare and very expensive items. What's her specialty? Her specialty is safe-cracking. She is extremely good at it and gets paid a lot of gold to crack safes. And, and, most importantly, she has a lightning sword. She does. She has a lightning sword. I let her have a lightning sword. Yeah! Never, never no, say not, I never not, gave you not anything. Not a sword made out of lightning, but a, like an actual sword that has lightning in it. Yeah, lightning damage, yeah. Yeah. So. She actually has, she's actually starting out with levels in Sorcerer because her kind of theme is lightning. Like that's her, that's her main type of like damage. She has a sword that has lightning in it. So she's a lightning tiefling, basically. She's also an abyssal tiefling. She's a lightning tiefling with a katana that pulls off. Ocean's Eleven style heists. So, and if you didn't know this was an anime. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. So, where <laughs> where um, uh, Tali and Celine are Reaper and Mercy from Overwatch, um, Crow and November are Genji and Zenyatta. <laughs> Respectively, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, where as Talia and Celine are on the side of the law and part of law enforcement in some regard. Um, November and Crow are criminals. Which is a fun um, contrast, I yeah, think. Yeah. Crow's crime, embezzling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, November's crime, many. Yeah. <laughs> and this takes place in District 5. And District 5 is cut off from the rest of the districts, except for District 4 to some extent. Because that's their neighbors, right? That's their mm-hmm. neighbor, yeah. Um, so they can't really be cut off. But they're they're not doing... They don't have a good relationship with District 4. They don't really have a good relationship with any of the districts. Any of the districts. Yeah. No, not a whole lot is known about District 5. They're not outsourcing any of their stuff anywhere else as far as to the other districts. Um, but they're also on the coast, so they don't know if they're trading with people across... Um, the sea and their major city is in a massive canyon with uh, houses that go along the side and on the canyon floor as well. What's the canyon called? The canyon is called Black River. Black River Canyon. So cool. Yep. It was called that because a river that used to run through there would appear black because of the so- uh, the so- the soil mm-hmm. that like was the black. sediment and stuff. Yeah, the yeah. sediment mm. would, turned it black. Nice. So yeah, Black Black River Canyon is the capital city. I think in the teaser it was called Ashland. Yeah, but then a certain player of yours threw a fit about that name because there's a baby little town in northern Wisconsin called Ashland that I spent a lot of summers at. And yeah, so it's I'm... like, it can't be called that. 
That's where the demons are. You can't call it Ash. You can't. You can't name it after this tiny little vacation town in northern Wisconsin. What's wrong right. with you? All right, fair enough. Fair enough. And they so. final and and Chris finally uh, listened to my whining. Yeah, changed the name, especially when Jess backed you up. Yeah, um, thanks, Jess. Yep. Um, and Jess actually came up with that name. Yes. So um, it the that that was a really good name. So. Yeah, that's going to be rolling out. And I'm so excited for that. Yeah, that one we still have to start recording, actually. So as soon as Faye Wild West has kind of like solidified. solidified and we have a plan for that, which hopefully should be within the next week or so, then we can start like roll, like going through and starting the process of uh, recording Crossroads and then getting Faded and the Damned out. Uh, Crossroads will also be kind of along the same lines of... Fay Wild West, which will, you know, Patreon will get it and then it'll go public. So, yeah. but yeah, we're really excited about that. And we want to get these stories out because they kind of tie in to Fay Wild West. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything doing, is yeah. connected. Yeah, everything yeah. is connected. So they'll all be independent stories. So you won't have to listen to one to understand what's going on in the other, but you'll get a more complete picture of what's going on in the world if you listen to more than one. Yep. And they're all going on relatively around the same time. Crossroads starts a year before Tally and Celine go into the Death House. Uh, Faded in the Dam starts five years before Tally and Celine go into the Death House. Mm-hmm. So all of this is in around the same time frame. And um, yeah, we thought like we have planned out all of the interconnected parts of this and I'm really excited to get into these projects, and I'm really excited for what's going to happen. Me too. So I want to take this time to thank all of you guys for listening. I know yes. this has I know this has been kind of late. I know that we had planned on doing a lot of stuff that just never got going. And, you know, due to all sorts of things like illness and work and school, just we weren't able to get our stuff together towards the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, but it's coming. It's coming. I have a lot. We we have so many plans for this stuff and not just the story, but um, how we're going to be presenting it and social media stuff. Like all that stuff is coming. So um, those of you who have stuck with us for all of these years, I cannot thank you enough. It really does mean the most. Like yeah. we... I don't know how to thank you for for all of the support. And if you're new listening, thank you for giving us a chance. It means so much that uh, you think we're interesting enough <laughs> and would listen to all of this babble. I mean, I would. I I, I love this sort of thing. So I just I can't describe how it feels to like have that to have this to have to have the story that we get to put out and have people actually listen and react to it and. Just know people are listening. Oh, yeah. A quick way to be our friend is to react on Discord and tell us how much something meant to you in the episode. Oh, yeah. That you just listened. If you're not already on our Discord server, there is a link in the description of the show notes. There's also links on all of our socials. But you should really check it out because we've got a great little community of listeners. And we don't just talk about the podcast on the Discord server. We talk about all kinds of things. We've got channels for food and video games and D&D and... Life stuff. Life stuff. Pet pictures. Pet pictures. We've got it all. So uh, we got hobbies and, and just all kinds of stuff. So if you haven't checked out the Discord yet, definitely check out the Discord server. It's a really great little 
community that we were cultivating there. And you also get a lot faster updates on Discord because we're on there all the time. Yeah, all of us are very active on Discord. So if you need something from us, we're usually pretty Johnny on the spot with that one. Yeah. Um, And I tend to, because Discord is a lot easier for me to send out messages. um, If I, I can pretty easily just send a message out on Discord. It's like, hey, something's late or hey, we're working on this. And that's a lot faster way to get a hold, to 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 get updates. Whereas, mm-hmm. like Twitter doesn't necessarily get all of the updates. Yeah, I think that's it. Do you guys have any final thoughts? No, no. I think I think I have thought. I think I have given almost every thought that I have in my head. All the thoughts <laughs> have been everything. thunk. All of the thoughts I've had in my head. I think I I think. But give me like. A couple minutes, and I'll think of some more. Because yeah, I'll just turn the I'll, recording back on. It's like, no, 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 wait, I thought of some I'll stuff. have some more opinions. But, yeah, I think I've covered everything that I want to cover. I'm really excited for the projects we have in the future. I'm really excited for what season five holds. And I'm just really excited about this whole podcast, this whole podcast project in general. So thank you again to everyone for sticking with us. It really means so much. And look forward to season five, look forward to The Faded and the Damned, and look forward to Crossroads, because they're all going to be a grand old time. Yeah. And if you want to further support us, we, like I mentioned, we do have a Patreon. People are able to get episodes early there and have access to Bonus Round and Shadow of Ravenloft. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, we didn't even talk about Bonus Round or Shadow of Ravenloft. Both of those are Patreon only games that have the same level of production, the same quality, and the same story. Well, bonus round is a but, bit more. Uh, yeah, um, the Shadow of Ravenloft is our take on the Curse of Strahd, which is kind of a reimagining because there was a lot that we wanted to do differently than what's in the book. But yeah. it is our take on the Curse of Strahd module, and uh, which is run by Molly. Well, yeah, Molly mm-hmm. run, runs that one. Bonus round is a comedy show <laughs> where there are no stakes and everything's made up, and the points don't matter. <laughs> And that one's run by Chris, and oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Um, Molly and I are in it, and Jess is also in it, and Jess's boyfriend Chris is also in it. There are two Chris's. Yeah. There's Chris, and there's Chris with an H. Yep. Uh, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you will get access to both of those shows. And we are going to be doing a rework of the Patreon in the near future. So we have some more stuff that we have planned for you. And lots and lots of good stuff. So check that out. Even the smallest amount of donation means so much to us on our shoestring budget that we're running this show on. Yep. No amount is too small. Even if it's just like a dollar a month, it makes so, it makes so much. It helps us out so much. Like I, it does. I know that everybody says, oh, no donation is too small, but it really is true. When you're a content creator, literally no donation is too small. Yeah. It literally keeps things running i cannot like without the patreon we would not have been able to keep the no. show going yeah no it, you're literally paying for the the music you're literally paying for the software the software that edits things mm-hmm. like that is that is where your money is going so we can't thank you all enough and thank you so much for listening to us talk about this project that we're all in love with and all of the little behind the scenes stuff that really keeps us going. So thank you all so much. Stay legendary. Have a good night. Bye. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Fey Wild West presented by Let's Be Legendary podcast. 
If you're enjoying our story, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review, or send a tweet about today's episode. Every little bit helps. Speaking of social media, you can find the links to all of ours at letsbelegendarypodcast.com or in the show notes. If you're into community, we've built a pretty awesome one on Discord. You can find the links to that too in the show notes or on our website. If you want to go a step further, consider supporting us on Patreon. All episodes get posted there early, as well as extra series to follow like Bonus Round and The Shadow Over Ravenloft. Links are also in the show notes and website. Talia Argent Gray is played by Chris Sass Council. Celine Argent Gray is played by Megzi Sass Council. The Queen of Night and Magic is Jess Richards. And our Dungeon Master is Molly Hexcroft. Audio producer and writer is Molly Hexcroft, pronoun she, her. Lead writer, editor, and audio producer is Jess Richards, pronouns they, them. Art director, assistant audio mixer, social media and community management is Megzi Sass Council, pronoun she, her. And executive producer, creative director, audio mixer, social media and community manager is Chris Sass Council, pronouns they, them. Credits for music and sound effects can be found in the show notes. Celine's tarot deck is the Marigold deck by Amrit Esperar, and the tarot guide used in game can be found at biddytarot.com. Thanks again for listening, and stay legendary.